Welcome to the Hyper Voice, episode 109. This is a show all about Pokemon's video game championship series. I'm your host, Steven Morioka, and I am here with Alex Underhill. Heyo. And Colin Heyer. Hello, how's it going? Now, Colin, I know you also go by the battle room, but today we're going to be turning this into the practice room. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Come on, Alex, you know you love it. <laughs> that was pretty good, I'm not going to lie. See, Colin likes it. I am cringing over here. Alex has a humor problem, um, but... Oh, yeah, uh, lack thereof. <laughs> anyway, um, everyone, today we're going to be talking about a lot about uh, practicing uh, and where you're practicing for your competitive Pokemon tournaments, but uh, before we get into th- some of those topics, I first want to talk about a uh, little promotion we're having on the show here, and uh, this is actually a uh, shiny Zapdos giveaway that uh, we are doing here on the show, on the Hypervoice. So, um, for those who are not aware yet... This is, uh, post has gone up on Twitter and Facebook already, but uh, letting the listeners uh, know here who maybe don't have either of those about this giveaway. So um, we have a uh, shiny Zapdos in uh, Gen 3 that I uh, caught at some point. You know, I really wish the Gen 3 games had uh, capture dates on them because I really want to know when in time I actually caught it. Um, so there's the shiny Zapdos there, and uh, using the Emerald cloning glitch, I'll be able to make a limitless amount for basically the community. It's a way to uh, give back for everybody, uh, to let everyone have access to a shiny uh, Kanto Zapdos if they wanted it. So um, it's originally a docile nature, um, it's going to come at level 100, and there are going to be a couple different ways you can get it. So uh, I'll be able to hand this out, dish this out to everybody. Um, on Twitter, if you're on Twitter, you can just uh, make sure you follow the uh, the show's Twitter account and uh, retweet that uh, advertisement tweet. Uh, if you're on Facebook, because um, I know some people may not have a Twitter, you can just uh, leave us a comment on that post or just message us there. Um, and also, another way is just to, uh, you can email us at our email, vgchypervoice at gmail.com, you know, indicating your interest in this shiny Zapdos. We'll be able to get it to you somehow. And... You know, it's kind of funny because this uh, Zapdos is something that uh, originally was just not going to be usable for anything. First off, you know, it has a docile nature, so that's not particularly useful. Um, in uh, gens, in VGC and Gens 4 and 5, you know, you want to have a good Zapdos, so I wanted to capture it in those Gens rather than use this fancy shiny one. Uh, Gen 6, you had the uh, Blue Pentagon rule, so I couldn't use this shiny Zapdos either. Gen 7, even though we had uh, Bottle Caps... The, uh, there's the Black Clover rule. So again, the gen locking rules. And then finally, it was actually the uh, Isle of Armor with the battle ready symbol that kind of, uh, instigated me, prompted me to look into what kind of cool stuff do I have in my old games that I could send up. And I, uh, found out, I saw this uh, shiny Zapdos and I completely forgot about it. So, um, you know, it's pretty neat that we'll be able to send this up for everybody. Uh, we're going to have a shiny Zapdos giveaway that'll be happening in uh, two weekends, I'll start distributing that to everybody. That's the weekend of October 24th and 25th. Uh, obviously, after the Crown Tundra comes out, so that we can uh, trade over Sword and Shield. And I guess Home would have uh, would have worked actually already. But um, I just need some time to transfer a bunch of these because I know I have to do at least 150 plus of uh, this Zapdos. So if uh, anyone's interested, shiny Zapdos giveaway from the show here. And to think that uh, even now uh, it's going to be able to be legal, but. It'll also be able to have the uh, static ability because of the uh, upcoming ability patch. That's going to be kind of fun. Uh, that's going to be really annoying in uh, VGC, just like how Zapdos <laughs> is going to be spreading paralysis around. 
Uh, I always get annoyed by static in-game. You just, like, tackle a Pikachu, and then it's just like, well, now I'm paralyzed for the rest of this forest. That's fun. <laughs> uh, but I, that's going to be very uh, cool that, like, not only can you bring this Zapdos forward, but it can have the uh, the ability that is, like, most optimal for it. Something that I don't know if we've ever gotten to do a lot with in VGC. I think static Zapdos has been legal for, like, portions of some formats, but not much. Uh, I know it was legal in 2016 because I used it at Nationals. Like, mm-hmm. I've, I've actually used Static Zapdos, but yeah, it, it really hasn't seen much, like, because I think outside of that, it wasn't legal in 2018, so then it was just gone again, so. Yeah, It's yeah. the first real time. Yeah, that's the big point. Something that uh, Steven and I talked about in the last episode, uh, but it's just, like, really fun that we'll have all of these abilities just available, like, without any kind of weird stipulations waiting for it to be released this <laughs> gen like it's so weird that they like give them to you and then take them away and stuff uh, it's just weird uh, yeah, one the, last... uh go, go ahead, ahead go ahead alex go ahead i was gonna say one last thing about the zapdos is i was just curious if you knew the attack iv on it um i think i i think i like sent a uh rogue copy earlier to not a rogue copy but you know just like an early copy for myself just to see what it was um i think it's like it's in a pretty good category which is not like optimal for it um it won't be that big a deal i was just curious right yeah um yeah we all know that we on uh like pure special attackers you want to have that uh tech iv as low as possible uh we can get into details at some other point but um yeah i think uh, it's in the pretty good category somewhere between i think that's a 16 to 25 ish that range and um you know Kanto Zapdos, you know, Electric Flying is incredibly good typing. You know, they uh, cover for each other defensively pretty well. Only neutral to Electric moves, and you're immune to the ground weakness now. So that's a uh, pretty good typing. And Zapdos has historically been the only uh, like notable competitive one of the original Legendary Bird trio. Um, I think the Galar versions of all these are gonna contest for that though to try and like join uh, the useful ranks. Zapdos is going to be fun in this uh, coming meta game with all the uh, flying type Pokemon. It, it's going to be uh, interesting to see because it won't get to use like its own electric terrain boost if it decides to Dynamax. But if it gets access to like some of the stronger flying moves, Max Airstream is going to be pretty awesome on it. Yeah, so Kanto Zapdos looking like it uh, might be a useful Pokemon in uh, Series 7 coming up when uh, whenever we get that announcement back from TPCI. Starting November 1st, of course. But um, once again, just wanted to reiterate, Shiny Kanto Zapdos giveaway from our show here. If you're interested, you know, find us on those platforms. You can email us, let us know that you want one, and uh, we'll fi- I'll find a way to get it to you. So um, that's our Shiny Zapdos giveaway. And uh, I'll mention this again probably in the next week because we still have time for that. But um, next we're going to move into talking about Pokemon Showdown and Battle Stadium. So two of the uh, more primary platforms to uh, essentially practice your competitive uh, games here for Pokemon, uh, for VGC tournaments. You know, back when we had live events, you know, that'd be important to do so. And even still with uh, the Players' Cups rolling around and just, uh, you know, grassroots stuff that you want to compete in. So as well as for uh, streamers like Colin. So I know you got to play uh, regularly and keep up your uh, stuff pretty uh, often. <laughs> your skills. Yeah, I have to always stay fresh and make sure uh, I'm providing amazing competitive content for those who watch. That's right. So um, I've also uh, put up a quick poll last week uh, in kind of preparation for this topic for this episode. So um, I asked the question, you know, where do you mostly practice for competitive Pokemon tournaments? And the answers were Pokemon Showdown, Battle Stadium, or about 50-50 for uh, half like Showdown, half Battle Stadium. Um, the votes I got, like, we got, uh, 334 in a total, so 
Um, it turns out about 60% of the vote went to uh, Pokemon Showdown, and 22.5% uh, went to the half and half, and only about 18% went to uh, Battle Stadium. So, um, like the just really talking about really quickly talking about this data here, like. It's not representative of the entire global community. Obviously, it's only a few hundred votes here, but um, it's uh, still like pretty telling um, and pretty good, pretty good indicator of what people prefer here, for good reason. So right off the top, uh, I figured we we could mention which uh, which side we're representing at least. Uh, I know that uh, Stephen here is very much uh, a Battle Stadium nerd. <laughs> That's me. And yep. And I am all about the uh, the Pokemon Showdown. I, I used to mess around with uh, in-game ladder uh, a decent amount, but uh, at this point nowadays, I am almost exclusively on Pokemon Showdown. And then, uh, Colin, I uh, I have an idea of where you're at, but I want uh, you to be able to speak for yourself. So where would you say that you uh, fall? Honestly, at this point, I'm probably more 50-50 than anything, just because I do stream, like, five days a week. So, like, I am, for the entirety of the stream, doing... Uh, battle stadium but when i'm practicing for like tournaments or players cup or the ic i almost exclusively use showdown so like i'm really like in the middle now instead of where i used to be more of just only showdown mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh which uh, i guess like since you are at about 50 percent uh you are like using them both about equally would you say that you have one you prefer or uh is it also kind of split down the middle um, I think it's still just I prefer Showdown since like when I am like not streaming or just doing practice in my free time, it is exclusively Showdown. So I still think I prefer Showdown, but I I see the more the merits of Battle Stadium, but I still stay more on the Showdown side. You know, just generally, I can already tell like all the uh, benefits and advantages of just using Showdown uh, in general. Like uh, for me, I'm purely purely Battle Stadium for the most part. Like I don't use Showdown at all. Um, and like for the most, for me, it's, uh, just, I, I have more fun on Battle Stadium and I, I don't like using Showdown and sitting on my computer and anything. That's, uh, you know, whatever. Um, I like practicing on Battle Stadium. It's, I like building my stuff in game, just having it ready, ready to go, uh, changing stuff up. It takes more time, obviously. Like it's, uh, pretty time consuming to obtain, uh, any competitive Pokemon, whether that's, uh, breedable or legendary or anything, uh, much easier in Gen 8 than it has been in past gens. But uh, Showdown is um, something that's just simple as like clicks of the mouse or your uh, finger pad or just like you can, I know it's even on the phone now. Like you can just uh, use your fingers and uh, input everything you need there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, like that is something that Showdown has going for it is that it's uh, something that you can play almost anywhere. I don't play much mobile Showdown. I have. I have uh, like if it was like on a car ride down to like a regional or something, sometimes my friends and I will like be playing Ranbats or like uh, just practicing last minute if I'm really that desperate. Uh, it's just nice to have that option though. Uh, like, I mean, in this age, like we pretty much always have our phones on us. And so just always having a device to practice on uh, can be really handy. I think for me too, like the ability to change, like, you know, like if you're using an adamant, uh, like, um, Duralod or a modest Duralodon, and then you just want to change to Timid. Like it's just so much easier. I mean, I guess now it is pretty easy with the mints, but it is just always like really easier. Just like be like, oh, I don't really like this mod. I'm just gonna swap it in, and then just type a few, you know, click a few things, type in a few words, and then you have a whole new Pokemon in that slot. And that's why I've always liked it, especially when I'm like more in the lab, like building something and trying to create something instead of like 
short or battle stadium to me was always just like okay this team is 100 percent done i'm focused on the practice more of it instead of like the process of changing it and improving my team mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah those mints are just such a big deal this gen like um you're using your example of a uh, modest Duraldon versus timid Duraldon. you know if this were like a gen 7 uh metagame or that was a pokemon in gen 7 if you wanted to change that nature you had to rebreed it you know breed a basically a brand new Pokemon for it with that correct nature. So, uh, mints are a big deal. And, uh, I guess we should also kind of point out that, um, Battle Stadium is like the official online ladder for, uh, Game Freak and TPCI, what they're using in TPC, what they're using for uh, people to play with, um, in Sword and Shield. Pokemon Showdown is, uh, I guess almost like more grassroots. It is, um, not official, um, in any way. <laughs> And that uh that does come back to bite you sometimes because uh it there's a bit of a lag with uh implementing correct mechanics. Even still some of the mechanics are uh incorrect, not to like uh beat down on showdown or steer anybody away from playing on it, but uh even like today I was uh watching somebody play uh some VGC and a burning jealousy was launched into a Pokemon with a weakness policy that had not boosted its stats in any other way, and it got burned. And uh, I do know that in-game, uh, you will not get burned when uh, a burning jealousy activates your weakness policy. So, uh, just like some incorrect mechanics that can really change the uh, pace of a game to the point that it's like, oh, this game's almost not worth anything uh, because the the practice is completely inaccurate and... Maybe I would have won or lost completely because of that uh, that factor. Yeah, um, I think it's uh, really important. Like, if you're on a battle stadium, like everything's just pretty much ready to go most of the time. Um, Pokemon doesn't have to make too many updates to like actual uh, in-game mechanics too much. Um, it's happened in the past a little bit, but um, you know, showdown. You know, it's up to the programmers to kind of like. Uh, for people and the programmers to figure out, you know, how to, uh, you know, go about those issues and, you know, make sure they're implemented correctly, um, just like they are uh, in-game on uh, the Battle Stadium ladder. So, formerly, uh, of course, it was uh, would have been called Battle Spot and all the previous iterations of the games and the generations. Um, but, you know, uh, you know it's, it all shortens to B- BS. So, that's uh, all competitive Pokemon is. It's all BS. Um, I also want to point out just, like, the necessity of the online simulator, you know, back in early gens. Like, uh, VGC started in, uh, Gen 4, officially, and uh, it was a complete nightmare to get competitive Pokemon back then, and, and in Gen 5 as well. It was really Gen 6 that really started, um, making things a lot easier there, but, um, Gen 4 and 5, Colin, I know you p- were playing, uh, back in Gen 5, and, uh, back then we had to use RNG Reporter, and, um, <laughs> and that was an outside program used to help us, um, without any, um, you know, like, D- uh, alteration to your uh, game device or anything it's uh you're just manipulating the clock and some button inputs and stuff to get your uh correct pokemon and um you know correct competitive pokemon and because of just the sheer difficulty of obtaining some of these uh high iv mons back in early gens like this really necessitated the use of these online simulators for people to uh compete uh competitively um also as well as just like online connectivity back in gens 2 and 3 like you can't really play with people on the internet so you need to use the simulator and i want to find people to play competitively with you know yeah it's definitely taken like leaps and bounds because like i think in gen it was gen 5 like black and white was the first game that had like an online ladder right i don't think gen 4 had a ladder you could just like play with people online but you had to like you know set like have a code or something so then now like the ladder has become much better and like 
now showdown isn't like a necessity like it was to actually be able to play competitive games um so yeah it's just like from the rng days till now it's just so much it's it's gotten so much better like it's it's like kind of crazy to think about how easy it is to get a pokemon in game as opposed to back then yeah, I know, like, for, uh, Alex, that was a big reason of why you kind of jumped into competitive Pokemon here, is, uh, your start with X and Y and just that ease of, oh, I can obtain my own Pokemon now. Yeah, that was it. It was, uh, in Gen 6, they introduced a lot of, uh, updates to, uh, breeding. I think it was just that they changed the way that IVs were passed down, and that was really what pulled me into the game, as well as, like, uh, X and Y VGC had, like, three legendary Pokemon or so. You know, I think it was just the birds. Mm-hmm. It was uh, at least I, I guess I should specify. Yeah, that was the only generation of X and Y uh, of, or that was the only year for X and Y of VGC was 2014. Then true, we were playing true. on Oras. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, that's just so weird to say after like how long we were playing on Ultra and like how <laughs> and we're still on Sword and Shield. I don't know. It just feels weird that X and Y had just one year. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> distractions aside. Uh, yeah, it was really easy to just get like uh, my mons and like even. At the beginning, I was doing it for, like, singles, like, online 6v6, but it was just fun that I, I like, took my in-game team and then bred competitive versions of all of them, like, changed the sets and gave them all perfect IVs and EV trained them. And it was really cool that I could do that, uh, and that was something that really uh, sucked me into it. So it's important that they do keep making these uh, changes to make it easier and easier. I do want them to, like, still move it forward more because I, I think... Uh, even though the showdown is faster, if I was given the option to just change my team on the fly and play in-game, uh, I would be a lot more interested in just testing out uh, stuff like in-game, especially right after the release when showdown hasn't like gotten everything accurate yet. Like I would love to just boot up my game and just try out these new Pokemon and stuff. You know, that was one of the big reasons we kind of brought this topic up um, during this time period right now. We're kind of in limbo between uh, Series 6 being what's on the Battle Stadium ladder right now. Series 7 is what everyone's anticipating, uh, especially with the Crown Tundra coming out next week. So um, Showdown doesn't have, we don't, actually all of us don't just uh, don't have the stats of the new birds, the new Pokemon, um, and just like what the new learn set move sets are going to be. Um, so there's like not really any place to practice series seven yet you know it's uh this weird spot we're in yeah and like going into it uh this is uh i guess one of the reasons i i uh mentioned uh that it's going to be interesting to see what people use when the dlc comes out is like the the incorrect game mechanics and waiting on those stats and stuff uh we're gonna we're gonna get the new pokemon uh as soon as the games come out we'll be able to just look up online or get the Pokemon ourselves and start, you know, getting those base stat totals and being able to, like, learn that information so we can start building around it. But playing is going to be uh, a little bit lagged behind just with uh, new mechanics, if there's any. Like, uh, it was really... There was a lot to be brought in with uh, the Isle of Armor thanks to those uh, new move tutors bringing in all those new moves. And we had to learn all the intricacies of those. And even still, uh, with like, you know, Burning Jealousy is the example I used earlier. Not everything is uh, fully updated for doubles. Uh, Like, I guess this is, again, bagging a bit on Showdown, but it's very much a singles-focused simulator. Uh, They do uh, implement a lot of doubles uh, mechanics and everything, and they still give it uh, enough attention but it just doesn't get as much as singles, and so uh, we kind of lag behind in getting all our mechanics updated, especially because it's just doubles is a more complex game. There's more complex interactions. 
uh, the moves are going to do different things, and uh, single seems to be the priority. So that's something that Showdown has working against it. Now, Colin, you kind of hinted at this a little earlier in the show about, um, you know, you kind of use both of these uh, places of practice. And I was kind of curious, like, since you use Showdown and Battle Stadium, what differs for you in terms of practice? Like, uh, I think you kind of hinted at this, you know, Battle Stadium, like, my team is ready. I'm focusing on the practice and Showdown maybe more of a testing grounds. So what kind of differs for you? I think, like, the big thing about Showdown is always the sheer amount of games you get out just because they're not taking as much time. So, like, always on Showdown, I'm always looking more at, like, not my own play, necessarily. Um, I'm more focused on, like, all right, does the team feel good? Is this Pokemon the right Pokemon? So I'm just kind of, like, like um, it's like a weird feeling where you're, like, you know, like, is the team correct? Like, is the Pokemon I'm using correctly? Or do I need to make small changes? Like, am I losing too much to uh, Porygon Z or something that I need to, like, add them on or, like, change something that I currently have so that the matchup's better. Whereas like, when I usually take the game onto Battle Stadium or the team onto Battle Stadium, it's like, all right, I feel confident in these six and their moves. It's just time for some simple, like, you know, just feeling more comfortable with the team and just being confident enough so that when I do enter an online tournament or a real tournament that I like, it's more about um, like learning the team and making sure like I'm playing it to its potential instead of about like, building it from the ground up like you know from an idea or something as opposed to like one of my battle stadium the team's done and it's just me learning like i'm just trying to get as much practice as i can so i think like obviously showdown does have that as well but there's something very valuable like especially before a tournament to practice like in the official like um like state of the game like when i sit down at the table i'm not gonna be playing on showdown i'm gonna be playing on my switch so making sure like you know, I know where the right buttons are and I'm not like too clunky because like I've I've had it happen to me where like I hadn't played on Switch for the first tournament of, of uh, Sword and Shield and I switched out my Dynamax Pokemon by accident because I wasn't comfortable with the menus and I, and oh, I, wow. like, I ended up switching out my plus two weakness policy Dynamax Excadrill and I was like, wow, that was just like user error. I just have not practiced enough in game and that was like my bad. So after that, I decided to make a very... um Foc- a very big focus on making sure I play enough in game because I don't want that to happen again. And uh, it- it's just one of those things where like, I want to make sure that like, the- cause like for me, I don't know why it necessarily works this way in my head or whatever, but when I practice on showdown, like it, it just goes faster. And like when I'm playing in game, I think more about my decision-making and I'm really focused on it. I think it just might be years of practicing on showdown where I don't take it as like, um, like each like win or loss seriously it's more just like about the growth i'm getting as a player whereas when i'm on in game it's like all right what am i doing here what is my opponent going to do and like you know i'm trying more actively to try and read them or to make the correct plays just because like it feels like the game slowed down like by so much just because i have so much more time to think as opposed to like when i'm on showdown i'm just trying to click through and try to skip the animations and just play what i need to do so i can get more games in so i think like for me it is always like the uh the slowing down and making sure that my plays are more correct. But I, obviously like some people are different, but like, that's the way I use them. Like shoot them for that nice, easy practice that you can just get tons of games in. And then like really honing in on like making myself better as a player with the specific team that I've um, obtained in games so that I can like really start to be confident with it going into a tournament. I think uh, one bit of uh, Colin's uh, like, opinion there is that I, that I want to hone in on is like the uh, the animations uh just that's i think one of the things that makes you uh think harder 
when you're playing on Battle Stadium. Like naturally, you're going to have more time to think about your uh, decisions. Whereas on Showdown, you uh, you might be like thinking about what move's going to happen uh, in advance, and then you just kind of do it without thinking as much because they they things go so much quicker, and it's also so much easier to recover points. Like if you are just playing, like I mean, when we're playing on ladder, we do want to win, and so uh, when when I, we start tanking a bunch of points, it does feel bad, even if it is just you know for testing, and ultimately uh, the ladder is what you what it means to yourself. You know, it isn't really. Um, there's no like physical reward for topping the ladder. Whereas like the tournaments are a lot different. Uh, it's, I think that the, uh, the fact that uh, battle stadium is so much slower just causes you to think more. And you also, um, you put a lot more weight into those decisions because, uh, like if you lose a game on showdown, you can just play another one and win and just try to make back up those points. But, uh, that's probably about as much time as it takes to play one game on battle stadium and, if you can only play for, you know, an hour or so uh, and you take two losses on Battle Stadium, that's going to mean a lot more to you than uh, when you take like two losses on a showdown out of the like eight games or so that you uh, eight or ten games that you are able to fit in in that hour or whatever. Yeah, I definitely agree. And sometimes like even on showdown, I'm playing like when I'm low ladder, like uh, what is it ranking up a new uh, alt or whatever? I'm playing like two games, three games sometimes, like just to like get get through the low ladder as fast as I can. And like, there's no there's no luxury like that. Like, yeah, if you are you know starting out on Battle Stadium, you have to play through Pokeball and Great Ball, and like climbing up can take a little bit longer. Whereas in Showdown, like you can just play like two three games at a time, and like obviously you have to slow down once you start playing like you know, higher rated opponents, but early on, some people are just like trying out showdown for the first time. So you just can breeze through them in two games, like at the same time. So it's definitely like a time thing too, where the amount of games you're getting in, like each loss, like you spend 10 minutes playing out a game and watching those animations and you lose, you're like, wow, that one, that one hurt. But it also like lets me analyze it a little more just because like, you know, I did lose there and I'm like, wow, that was 10 minutes. Like I'm thinking like, what did I do wrong? Like, I'm mad at myself for this. Whereas on Showdown, it's like, okay, I'll just go get those points back. Like, yeah. that was annoying, but I'll keep going. I think a big thing for me is just, like, in terms of uh, just what I'm looking for when I'm practicing is, like, it's a, it's very different when it's in a, in a tournament or it's, like, an online competition versus just general practice. Like, for general practice, like, um, I know I'm mostly just, like, trying to figure out different uh, team combinations, lead combinations, um, different strategies to use on my team um what uh what moves i should be making you know just reading the opponents and all that you know trying to learn the metagame as well as just like learning um how to play better and um you know in online competitions for some reason like i focus more on i gotta win i gotta win i gotta get these points i hate losing because i lose these points i gotta make it back up um like i really wish um i practiced a lot more like i did uh seven years ago in 2013 because like that was a year where i would just hop on ladder for fun, just to like play the game, learn the meta game, see what other fun teams opponents are using, and um, I don't practice as much as I used to um, for a lot of different reasons. But um, I really wish I kind of would go be able to go back to that and just like have fun playing on a uh, ladder, just to like learn more and uh, have play, uh, see what other people are using. And um, you know, one of those things along with that is just like um, whether you show it on or battle stadium, there are certain people you uh, run into frequently. And, uh, like there are certain usernames or, uh, players that you see. And we, uh, kind of talked about this before we started the recording here of the show, but, um, they're like certain people you run into all the time. And, uh, they're kind of like your rivals as you're, uh, playing through the ladders here. And it's like, kind of funny. You guys were mentioning somebody, uh, named Mr. GX from, uh, Shonen, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
And so that's something that uh, you just don't get as much of with uh, Battle Stadium, but you definitely you definitely do. Uh, so as uh, Colin had mentioned earlier, it's really easy to change your team on the fly when you're playing on Pokemon Showdown. And so uh, there are like there's something special about on Showdown with uh, the ladder warriors, the players that are <laughs> always on there, and they're always using like the same team or the same style of team. And so uh, maybe sometimes when you're building, you forget to beat their special flavor of the metagame. And so you're like, oh, no, I need to tech on this move just so I can beat them. Because otherwise, they're just going to keep taking all my points. And that's not always the best uh, reflection of the metagame, especially if they're not a person that goes to uh, tournaments often, or at least the tournaments that you're attending. Uh, Again, this is all a a very different um, talk during quarantine when we don't actually have IRL tournaments. But... It's still just, it, it can affect your team building. And uh, that's something that, like, I guess Showdown has against it. You can, uh, it's really easy to just mess around on Showdown and uh, run something fun just for the sake of it. Uh, just, like, making changes. I, it also, I think, kind of goes hand in hand with the uh, the aspect of, like, making reads on Showdown. Uh, some, <laughs> it's that cancel button that really enables it. <laughs> like, the, the cancel button, like, you know, you're... You're playing on Showdown, and you know, oftentimes people will play with their friends. Uh, it's really easy to spectate games on Showdown and uh, to practice with people. And I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that. Uh, it, it's good to have a friend to be able to uh, back you up and just say, like, wait, 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 think about this move first, uh, because again, we talked about a Showdown is very fast. Uh, so your friend will remind you, this is this play always wins the game. You know, let's let's go for this. Um, but. Uh, that it's just something that like you know you you change your team so uh, quickly you change your decisions so quickly and then you, you decide like oh we're gonna go for a really hard read this turn and again because if you if you get it wrong you just you lose that game and you just go get those points back in a matter of minutes uh which is just like maybe not the best practice uh it is just kind of like uh just messing around for fun whereas like on battle stadium i feel like players are much more hesitant to lock in their moves with a hard read without at least analyzing a lot more first something important you mentioned there is making you know making that quick change of a of a move or a pokemon um on showdown like people when you're playing uh in game uh in on, on the online ladder like You've uh, made the commitment to, you know, either breathe that Pokemon or raise it to 100 and, uh, you know, bottle cap it and everything and give it all the moves and stuff. And you're less likely to change things immediately because it takes a little bit more effort um, than just like, you know, changing a move on Showdown, right? So, um, you know, you're more likely to just focus on, okay, well, how, how could I play better instead of I need to uh, fix the entire team or fix the entire Pokemon or something or a move. So... Um, you get some more uh, options in there. One of the things I actually wanted to ask both of you is for Showdown, does um, because I can't remember if it still does this. Um, because I did play Showdown back in 2014 and 16, those two <laughs> years when one of the or two of the few many years when uh, TPCI has taken away the uh, online ladders for the VGC formats. But um, does it when you're playing? Does it still display like the HP percentages, like damage done and what's left and everything? Uh, so Showdown does give you a bit more, like, actually not not a bit, a lot more information than you would get in-game, and that's an important aspect to kind of bring up here. Uh, it, it doesn't give you, it does tell you, like, percentages, you know, it says that that attack did 53 to 57%, and the bars are still there to display, like, uh, displayed. I think you can turn off certain bits of information, if, uh, if I remember correctly. I think you can, yeah. You can, like, just disable that, and... 
Uh, it does track a lot of things. Like, uh, thankfully, uh, in-game has gotten a lot better about this. Like, you know, back in the older days, it would it would display how many turns of Trick Room are left. And that was something that you had to count on your hand or, you know, on your piece of paper with you. <laughs> yeah. um, but now that stuff's like, a lot more stuff is displayed in-game, but it still does give you more, like, I'm trying to think of good examples. Um, just knowing that, like, how many turns of uh, Wildfire are left. I think that does actually show up in-game, though. Yeah, it um, does. Uh, but th- there's got to be some example. I just can't think of it right now. But it, it gives you all of the uh, all of the information. Like it, if you hover over a Pokemon, it'll tell you that it has one of these three abilities. Uh, or like if its ability has been confirmed somehow, it'll tell you that's the ability that it has. Whereas like if you had missed it during uh, during the animation that it, it came up, you might miss. Uh, you might not be able to get that information until uh, the ability comes up again. It also tracks the moves for you. So, like, it will say, like, um, like if it used Fake Out, it will put, like, if you hover over that Pokemon, it will say Fake Out. Uh, and, like, if it has all four moves, you'll know all of the four moves. Oh, and just the log. Just the whole log, you know, of, like, yeah. And then so you often, also get, uh, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, like, so often on Showdown, um, I will be like, okay, so I've, I've hit this thing with a Flare Blitz before, and it did 40%. The Mon's at, like, mm-hmm. 43%. Let me scroll back up. Did I do 40%? Did I do 43 before? Will this KO? And I scroll back up and get that information. You can't scroll back in Battle Stadium. <laughs> so that is definitely bad habits that I'm building. Um, you need, like, the photo- you need like the photographic memory or something, and it's just, like, yeah, that was, that was the kind of the small thing I want to point out, is just, like, sometimes you may rely on just seeing the, uh, you know, percentages displayed to you all the time and when you're playing like in a tournament uh on your switch like you you're every time you're only doing estimates you can only really estimate how much damage you're doing you still get the hp bar and how the color changes you know when it drops to 50 and 25 percent um and you know top players are going to know the damage calculations uh anyway regardless like how much stuff should be doing um in certain situations so I think it's like uh, it's important just to like be able to play without some of that information sometimes. I know you also get speed, like direct speed numbers of how fast a Pokemon like min and max can be. So like it will say like if you hover over it, it says like seventy three through one forty three, and so like you know that it like you have a guaranteed out speed and stuff. So like mm-hmm. it can even make up for like lack of uh, like knowledge of the said Pokemon, which it could also be a learning tool for you too. Like if you don't know like how fast Mamoswine is because you never played against it. It's nice to be able to just like, cause you can Google search it too. So like, like while you're practicing, um, mm-hmm. not at a tournament, obviously, but so it is like nice to just be able to hover over, hover over something like Mamoswine that you've never played cause it's not very popular. And they're like, oh, Charizard definitely outspeeds this, even though I'm modest cause I hover over mine and it says that it outspeeds it. So like that part can be kind of nice too, but it does, you know, give you that information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's just like a lot of it's, uh, I guess that's what showdown is really about is just like, efficiency and being able to do things a lot quicker uh i'm gonna bring it back to a point that we had talked about earlier but uh it's just showdown is really important for discovering what that sixth pokemon needs to be what that fourth move on the pokemon should be or if you you know if you're undecided on what item is better should i run safety goggles or you know does that not come often up uh, up often enough can i get away with running uh, a different item like a berry or something and I, it's just that that's like what showdown is for is for just mashing games doing them over and over so quickly getting a just a good sample of how your team fares against the metagame 
one thing that I'd like to point out is like it does give you that good example of the metagame, but also like sometimes playing online, like like on Battle Stadium, it can have like completely different metas where like these things are really popular where it's like sometimes on showdown you're like, oh, everyone's using this kind of strategy. They're like, you know, 40% of teams have Venusaur or whatever. But sometimes like on Battle Stadium, it's a little bit more broader and you'll play like more types of teams than you're, you know, like you play on like High Ladder Showdown or whatever, just because like it captures more of a skill, like a, uh, it has more of a skill umbrella where it's catching more players just because it's a little bit more like sometimes you like on showdown you only play like within your like kind of skill bracket whereas sometimes on battle stadium like i'll be in the top 100 players like on battle stadium and i'll play someone in the 2000s and mm-hmm. you're like what how did i how did i drop <laughs> down there and like so like sometimes you you get a little bit different like I, i've noticed where like something's really popular on showdown or something that i've been playing against on showdown i'll never play it on battle stadium for like you know, like the entire time I'm practicing for like that series for that month. So sometimes it's like they catch different um, uh, things that are popular. Like some people like and also like on Showdown, it's almost exclusively um, uh, people who are going to tournaments and like Europeans, uh, Americans, like um, like there's not as many um, Asian countries on there. So like there's a lot of Japanese players, a lot of Chinese players on a uh, battle stadium, like more than you'd see on Showdown. So like it changed like the way they play the game can be a little different, like especially Japan, obviously, because their formats are usually focused on best of one. So they come at you with a little bit more cheese and a little bit more spice. Whereas like sometimes on showdown, these people are practicing for a real tournament, which is best of three for them. Mm-hmm. So like, as opposed to the Japanese tournament, which might be best of one. So you get like kind of different vibes sometimes from the teams that are being used on both format or on a, yeah, both formats. Yeah. I remember, uh, Back when we had live tournaments, we had uh, VGC Stats run by Zach Carlson, and that was an important tool because, as uh, Colin, as you mentioned, Showdown and uh, Battle Stadium both kind of uh, drew different nets of the Pokemon captured there of what was in high usage, but um, VGC Stats really captured what was uh, actually performing successfully in obtaining those championship points in our circuit, right? So what those top performing Pokemon actually were. Uh, throwing it back to that other uh, topic, though, is just like the point of... Um, the different uh, nations that are playing, right? Um, I don't know how far-reaching Showdown is into, like, uh, the Asia-Pacific region or Japan or South Korea or anything. Um, like, I'm, I'm sure there are people who there who play it, but uh, I feel like this is more uh, of a Western tool, almost. And uh, Battle Stadium is more just, like, global, uh, as we've mentioned already. But, um, again, very different, can sometimes be very different experiences on uh, either, either uh, spot. So, I need to... Uh bring us back to something that I had heard uh, Colin just mention in passing, but it uh, really made me realize a whole nother, uh, I guess, discussion topic here, and that's the the topic of alts. Uh, it's just something that you're kind of used to if you play on Showdown, or especially as you get uh, better and better, and like, you know, there are players that either come to know you from skill or come to know you from being in their region. Uh, you, you start to want to play under a uh, alternate username to keep your strategies hidden. Uh, you, the last thing you wanted to know, uh, want is to, you know, come up with some crazy idea that uh, is definitely going to be really good against the uh, local metagame. And, you know, all of the players from your local metagame start talking about it because they see you laddering on the account that you always are on. You know, it's like your main or something. So uh, it's the, the, the idea of alts is that you can practice anonymously and uh, it makes it so that uh, at least until you're uh, sitting down across from your opponent and they look at your six Pokemon, 
they really don't know what kind of team you're using, and they they are not gonna, uh, especially for like local metagames, they're not gonna go out of their way to counter team you because they might not even know if that person's going to their tournaments. So, uh, like alts are something that I like, I almost exclusively use on Showdown. I can't remember the last time that I laddered on main, and it's a little <laughs> bit different uh, in Battle Stadium this year because uh, it is, I guess a bit easier to get a alternate account. I think you still have to pay for a second copy of Nintendo online. So yeah. uh, like you can't exactly uh, get an alt easily on battle stadium. You, in the old days you had to buy another copy of the game and uh, now you have to uh, yeah, pay for online twice. So uh, you're literally paying just to have one other alternate name, which if they discover who it is, then you have to restart. I guess you can just, you know, ladder on Battle Stadium under a name that's like random, like you know, like Sword. You know, a lot of people do stuff like that. They'll just name their character after the game that they're yeah. playing. But uh, if uh, if people start to piece together what your name is uh, and figure out like you know, oh, that's their player avatar and that's the name they usually ladder under, then you're gonna have to like change it up or restart your game, and that's just a whole lot of effort. Alts are definitely really interesting because like I've worked with some high profile players where like people really want not my teams but the teams i'm using of those players so like <laughs> it can get a, rid- a little like hectic where like i in the past i had a friend um who made me like make an account and name it like moon so i could practice in sun and moon like i wasn't allowed to play on my main with his teams and like um even last year at worlds the giant snorlax conspiracy that aaron trailer wrote about where like these players like there were two groups of players building around snorlax i was part of one of them and we weren't, both sides agreed not to ever ladder. Like we weren't allowed to practice with the team on public ladder in fear of the, of Snorlax being revealed because if Snorlax is revealed, people can add small text that makes Snorlax a little less, uh, oppressive to play against. So there was this giant, like both sides were just playing it really safe. And it was, uh, it was really interesting in like the, you know, the, the meta of like these two groups because both teams wanted to win worlds and that was the, what they were there for. And both groups had really high profile players. One side had like Wolf and Aaron. One side had players like Raghav and Alex and myself. Mm-hmm. And like it became and Gavin, all these players. And it became this like crazy, like no one was practicing. They weren't like both sides agreed not to practice. And like there was like one or two replays of each side. And like those were like coveted and like they you know they they leaked some information so like both sides had their thing i mean both sides ended up blowing up and no one cut with the snorlax i think aaron trailer did or no he was one one did he cut with it yeah yeah aaron made it into uh cut i believe yeah so there was just like this like giant you know conspiracy around using snorlax and also always been like especially because the more famous you get whether it's for being good or just like like alex said where you just become like a really good player like wolf can't can't practice on main otherwise his team's revealed to everyone and like when he sits down against someone they're gonna be like oh i looked wolf vgc wolfy vgc up on the ladder and i found your replay so now i know what you're using and it's just like that information advantage they get just because they know your your online account name so then you just get uh, you're playing at a disadvantage just because they have information on you. And like, I don't necessarily like someone could look me up and watch me practice and they could learn about me, but like, I, I don't have any information on them. It's like, they're, you know, they're, they aren't as big of a player yet. They might be really good, but they're not like a huge name that I would recognize. So I have no information. And then I go into a best of three, not knowing anything about their team and they know all my items, you know, like that's just a huge, like information disparity that like alts kind of can cover up because 
you don't know much about them unless you specifically remember their name for whatever reason. And like most of the time you're not going to remember, like even if you're going to worlds and you played against some guy like five times on ladder, you're not going to remember his team because you aren't associated with a name. So it's like, they're really important, but it's like something that only showdown can really provide for you as opposed to like battle stadium where like, you know, I always play as battle room, my, my username. And like, I don't usually, I don't, I don't use alts at all. And like, um, if I'm going to a tournament with a team that either I got from Raghav or I want to keep secret before the tournament, I won't play on battle spot for fear of just giving my opponents just a slight edge if they play me, you know? I don't want to, like, just get unlucky, play my round one opponent on battle spot the night before, and then just, like, have to play at a disadvantage because I, you know, played on my main, which is kind of, like, a huge plus to show on too, is just being secretive um, about what you're using. That's the scary thing with it is it doesn't even have to be around one opponent. It could just be anybody that's like, you know, got friends. It's just yeah, like information yeah. spreads. So, uh, you know, it, that's why you just don't want it to be out there. You want to keep things under wraps. And that's what uh, that's what alts provide is just, you know, the that uh, that way, even if your team is very plain, uh, you know, if you're just running like a bunch of like standard Pokemon, uh, you don't want to give your opponents anything uh, if they've seen. Uh, again, if they have a name to associate with the uh, team, then they'll be like, oh, this is the guy that runs that crazy uh, move on Incineroar, you know, or I, I know how their team functions, and I, you don't want them to have that information advantage. Or even just small things, like I remember in uh, Players' Cup, uh, Rogov ran a super fast Incineroar, I think it was like 124 EVs in speed, so this thing was like, you know, he was he was running laps, and like just even like if I play against someone and I know for a fact my Incineroar is faster, like that just gives me a little bit of an information advantage before I even go into the game because I'm like, well, I know I now know that I parting shot first or I get to fake out first guaranteed. Like that's just a really like small thing like where you can't even see it in like the stats, but you could see it if you remember their name from practicing because you're like, oh, his Incineroar outsped me every time. Like I now know that he's faster than me. So it's just like small things that can like give you a huge edge and like you won't even realize like are taking effects on the battle like if you like if your opponent is abusing the fact that they know they're faster you might not even know that they know that and like they're just like beating you with this information that you have no idea you revealed because you didn't practice on an alt or something so like i'm always like overprotective of it and i have i have countless horror stories that i've heard of other people with like all like getting revealed and getting found out and then they like they've ruined their tournaments and like so, like, for me, I'm always, like, really uh, paranoid of getting found out, especially with, like, <laughs> I don't want my friends to get, like, screwed over by me, you know? Like, they're they're putting in all this work. I don't want to be the reason they, like, um, you know, get some, like, they know about their items or spreads or something, so. Yeah, that whole uh, Snorlax conspiracy is just hilarious to me, like, uh, for <laughs> both sides. You know, we can't practice. We can't, nobody can find out about any of this, so, uh, neither of the practicing squads can, uh, practice with that Snorlax, uh, the Snorlax on the team. Um, one thing, like, listen, about- man, nobody was running knockoff on their incinerators, <laughs> alright? If they started Except running for- knockoff, I was gonna start crying. <laughs> Except for the other Snorlax players. Yeah, I think we, <laughs> didn't we have knockoff? I think we did. I think because it was optimal. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> uh, still so funny to me. Um, oh, yeah. Also, also in this day and age are almost like uh, so necessary just so you can uh, protect your information for your teams. Because uh, like there are so many the stakes are so much higher at tournaments uh, nowadays than they were uh, even like five years ago. So um, that can be an important part of it. Um, uh, kind of going along with this alts here with alts here. Um, is uh, I want to ask you too. You know, have you ever played against someone who you thought was just like a random or a rando because it was just this weird alternate username, 
And uh, then you like found out who that was later. Like what was a, I guess a, maybe a big eye-opening example for you. Uh, I can't think of one right now specifically, but like it's it's never like a um oh I didn't expect it. It's more like a oh who is the big name player that's running this whack like duo of Pokemon that you never see. Like I'll just use Snorlax again. Just be like if I saw a Snorlax on 2019 ladder, I'd be like, who is the one running Snorlax? And then, you know, if I'm going to the tournament or if I watch that tournament the next weekend, uh, I'm like, oh, that's the person. That's the person I kept fighting. Uh, and that's always something fun about it. I uh, I definitely can think of, like, it happening to me where I, I consistently face an alt and then see it at a tournament, but uh, I can't think of one specifically. Can you, Colin? Um... I know when I was practicing for Worlds last year, um, I had heard through the grapevine from a bunch of different people about Snorlax. And so what I did is I whipped out and all played my Snor- I just made a Snorlax team to like feel out Snorlax because like, oh, this thing sounds kind of good. I, I want to test it, right? Like, and so I went on Showdown and like within minutes, I was being messaged by like Gavin and Enosh about Snorlax. Like, I got found out, like, I think it was two ladder games, and they're like, yo, dude, the Snorlax. And then that's when, like, you know, I got kind of, like, in on the Snorlax thing, and, like, how there was, like, we weren't allowed to practice with it. But I had no idea. <laughs> I was just using Snorlax, like, because I heard it was good. I'm like, I'm going to test it. But, like, that was their fear, and that's what they didn't want to happen. Dude, that legitimately was probably me. I think you did catch me, like, within, like, two minutes. I think minutes, I was then, the, like, probably the person, because I, I was just, like, especially, like, in the past couple of years. I don't do it as much anymore, but I, I just, like, watch a lot of showdown battles. <laughs> oh, I, I know you do. I used to always see you pop in. I'm like, okay, he's gone. We're good. Like he doesn't see. Oh no, no. I, I I've learned. I I don't. I do nameless now. <laughs> <laughs> but also, when I was like new and like before I even used alts, I would just play on my main because like no one cared. Like I I started caring. I think after I won my first regional, where I was like, all right, I should probably just play on an alt. Like it's just a safety thing. But um, when I used to play, I used to play against Ben Irons, like one of my best friends. But we used to play all the time, and like. It was like three years later, like we were, we had been friends for like two years and it was like, I used to play against him in 20, 2012 and he won a regional and like I would always lose to his regional winning team because like he would lead Zapdos, <laughs> Zapdos Amoongus, I would lead Cresselia Hariyama and if I faked out Amoongus, he would kill my Hariyama and if I faked out Zapdos, he would spore my Cresselia and I would lose every single time. <laughs> and so he used to make fun of me with Blake. They'd be like, yo, it's that dude again. Like watch this, which one's he going to do this time? <laughs> and then years later, he's like, you were the guy with the Hariyama Cresselia, weren't you? Like, I remember playing against you over and over, and he thought it was so funny. And, like, I had no idea, but he, like, remember, remembered me so vividly because, like, we both remembered each other because of how those games always went. Him just destroying me and me getting so frustrated. So, like, that, we didn't have ults, but, like, it was, like, something really weird where I ended up, you know, like, becoming best friends with the person that was, that I played on Showdown all the time. Terrorized you, really? <laughs> um, he really did. Like, it was awful. Like, I never won because I just, like, I don't know why I never adapted, but I was like, no, I think if I fake out this time, I might be able to win. And then it just didn't. It, it never worked. Yeah. Alex, you brought up a good point of uh, you watch a lot of Showdown games. Now, um, obviously, there's the option in Showdown to watch uh, other people playing you're while you're there as a spectator. And uh, while we have, like, streams and streamers who, like, show their stuff on Battle Stadium, we still don't have the online spectator mode really still a thorn in all of our sides for competitive Pokemon right now. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's just one thing that Showdown's got is uh, spectators can watch you um, without, like, an outside uh, streaming source or anything. Yeah, that's like really the uh, one of the things that I find most enjoyable about Showdown, not just playing wise, but like spectating wise. It's like I can just open like 
six different games to watch all at once. And I, uh, I can not only like have these six games, but they, they go so much quicker than watching a, uh, a stream of a, uh, in-game battle stadium, uh, or anything like that. I, uh, I don't even like always like watch every turn of the battle. Like I'll I'll sometimes just like see, you know, very standard compositions. Like oh, this is a Togekiss Dragapult team versus a uh, Exodrill Tyranitar team, and I'm just like just kind of looking to just analyze. You know, oh, who's frequently winning this? Like what? How do these match up? You know, and just looking to see like if anybody's running anything interesting. Of course, I'm not going to be able to get into the games that are hidden. Uh, a lot of uh, Showdown is. Uh, hide rooming, you know, you, you hide your games so that way uh, replays can't be posted publicly of your team and you can't get the random spectators joining. But you still get to see a decent number of things from players that don't care to hide and uh, you just get like a good sample of the metagame even without playing and that's something that I enjoy about it. I think it's gotten worse too, like since they added the don't allow spectators button that you can just check. Like, because I know um, when I'd practice with Raghav and Kimo, they would get so mad at me because I, I, I always, they always pressed hide room or slash hide room, but I never did it. But now there's the don't allow spectators, which is really nice because <laughs> I think it's a little bit harder to watch games now, like, like than it was like even a month ago before this was implemented or whenever it got implemented. It's sad, but like I get it. And like I also would always hide my rooms. So like I, I'm not going to fault showdown for having it and like it's a good feature but man like there used to be so many more games to watch <laughs> like i i think back to uh I, I also think the culture has changed a decent amount like I, in 2016 and 2017 i was able to watch like a lot more games and like even from like higher players even if they were on an alt i, I like it just back then an alt used to be enough is i think was the general opinion yeah uh, people were just like well i'm on a hidden name but now people have started like Oh, just tying things together so, like, bizarre, like, you know, strings on the, like, strings connecting a bunch of pictures on the wall. Like, oh, this person's using that avatar, and they always use this avatar, and they're playing at this time of day, and clearly they're this Italian player uh, that, you know, they had success with this one <laughs> Pokemon. There's the only person that uses that Pokemon. Oh, my gosh. Like, I know who this is. And so now it's gotten to the point where people just don't want to be found out. So they just hide their rooms and play on alts. And it makes sense. It's great to have that option, at least. Um, but yeah, it's just madness. I mean, even with like berberryberry.net, which is like a website that downloads and uploads replays from Showdown with like the top rated teams like that, uh, I think is another part of like the culture where like people are actively seeking out high rated teams to just take. And so you hiding your room is just a necessity. Otherwise, like. You know, you'll be on this website and they can find your team and then, you know, that's not good for you, obviously. So like a lot of like I think the website's got a little bit worse, like Berberi Berry, just because people are hiding their room more. So like I just looked at it right now and like a lot of the teams are just completely outdated from like two, three months ago that are just like, you know, irrelevant just because of the uh hide room feature. Mm-hmm. Pokemon, it's all about the safety and secrecy now. Like it's a what a radical change we've seen. Um <laughs> Now, one thing I actually want to ask you too about uh, Showdown here is uh, obviously like uh, in-game, all the uh, timer functions for the battles, whether it's uh, Gen 8, Gen 7, uh, maybe not Gen 7, but um, the timer functions would be implemented in uh, on the games there. Now, I'm curious, like especially for Gen 7, like uh, when it used to be external clock for sh uh, tournaments, um, how was that used for Showdown and like how do they just overall use uh, like the timers nowadays like you know battle time move time your time so yeah the, the interesting thing about showdown is that timer is optional 
but it's uh it's a choice made by one player and the other player can't really like refute it. Uh, so like the, it defaults to timer being off unless you I guess go into the settings and hit timer always on. But most people don't do that. Um, a lot of people will just like start the timer when their opponents are playing slow, or uh, if their opponent disconnects, they might start the timer just so that they can kind of move on and they don't have to keep checking back on that battle. But uh, yeah, otherwise, like uh, a lot of games, I, I definitely don't turn on the timer unless I have to. So I will just play games and you know if my opponent's thinking for a really really long time maybe i'll put on the timer but uh i like to have the option to just be able to think as much as i want that's really what showdown is for is to be able to uh practice my team you know i I think that's an important point that colin brought up earlier is that that's what battle stadium really gives you is bringing you into that tournament mode getting yourself used to all the intricacies that the timer is definitely one of them making your moves within 45 seconds and uh you know making sure that you input everything incorrectly but on showdown i'm more there just to uh just to you know see how the games play and just to consider all my options like i i want to be able to look at a uh, critical turn and think about it for a minute plus if uh i can find out a way to guaranteed lock the game you know that's something that i want to be able to analyze so that way later i can just tuck that away and remember it uh whereas if i was playing on Battle Stadium, I might have already had to input my move, and then uh, it was suboptimal, and at that point, I've already moved on. I never even found the uh, the perfect play, per se. Okay, so if uh, if we were to all kind of, like, summarize, um, you know, practicing on both of these uh, forms of media for a competitive Pokemon, you know, how would you summarize, like, uh, what you should be doing for practice on uh, Showdown and Battle Stadium, and, uh, you know, what, what would you recommend for everybody? Oh, shut on all the way. Like, I don't even need it. Who needs Battle Stadium, man? Uh, for me, I definitely think, like, Shodan's a great way to, like, build teams and, like, get a comfort, um, you know, like, with the team and, like, so you're confident in it and you're like, these are the six I want to use. And then just, like, freshening up on the battle mechanics, like, before the tournament or just, like, um, just being able to, like, take it on there and just, like, you know, focus on, like, the actual playing. For me, that's just how I do it. But, like, for the most part, I still just like Showdown just because, like, you can make more teams faster and just, like, it's just such an easy way to uh, to view the game, too. Like, especially, like, the team builder on Showdown can be really nice, like, because it's not just boxes. So, like, you can, like, just move, like, you can put the same Tokus on, like, seven teams, whereas, like, in-game you're going to use the same Tokus on seven teams. But, like, visually it's not, like, next to it or whatever, you know? So, like, for right. me, it's very visual and, like, the team builder section of Showdown is, like, really important to any... Um, team I'm building or just having all my teams in one place to just scroll through and look at is really nice whereas like sometimes in the boxes that you know things get a little lost or you like repurpose a Pokemon so like I always like the visual part of Showdown as well and just like the ease of the practice and building is like I do love Showdown but like I do see the Merit in Battle Stadium and like just getting different eyes like different components where like you play the same people in Showdown like every day especially when you get near the top it starts to get a little ridiculous um but, like, on Battle Stadium, like, you're going to get constantly new kind of opponents that you might not have ever played against or, like, teams you never played against. Because, like, you'll never play, you know, you'll never play Alex on Battle Stadium, but you'll play him a lot on Showdown. So, it's, like, you get different types of people and different, uh, you know, you, you can get different kind of games which can, like, really refine your team even further if you're playing against, like, stuff that you didn't play on Showdown. That is a very good point. Uh, and while I'm purely, like, uh, still all Battle Stadium and I just in-game ladders and stuff... 
Um, I completely understand the merits of uh, Showdown and the advantages it has there just being like, it's so simple, it's so easy, you put your teams together, you play with them, you can change things easily, and then once that's all refined and ready to go, you can just build it in-game and then uh, just play some more there if you want. Um, uh, I think another important note is just uh, for people who mostly use Showdown is just like if you're not super familiar with the in-game like UI, um, on Switch, just make sure you're like, you're comfortable with that, knowing what buttons do what, like what does Y do, what does Plus do, um, what does X do, you know, what options do I have to look up information, everything during those games. Um, simple thing, but I'm sure everyone's probably used to that already, if, especially if you're competitive, you're gonna know that stuff. But just important to know. Um, now, I know, uh, we're almost out of time here, but I do want to get everyone, uh, uh you know, just a few more takes here on Series 7. The, uh, Upcoming format that we're going to be getting for November that's uh, obviously probably going to include the Crown Tundra uh, Pokemon here. Uh, let's hear some uh, takes here just to close out the show. What do you think Series 7 is going to be like? I, uh, I'm i still in the camp that I uh, I think Landorus is a bit overrated. Uh, however, I'm at the point where I'm doubting these uh, Galar birds. I'm just like starting to doubt them more and more, even though we still don't know anything about them. <laughs> um, I... Uh, I I just don't know if they'll be good enough. They've just got some flaws. Uh, just looking at, like, typing and uh, abilities alone. Um, like, Zapdos is going to be pretty uh, sweet. You know, it's a physical, likely physical flying type that can ignore the uh, Intimidate drops and instead actually boost its own attack. But uh, Max Fighting being just such a, such a low base power move uh, just... Uh, on top of that, like uh, I just don't think it's going to be uh, as strong as maybe using one of the other uh, Defiant Genies. Um, and then same thing for Articuno. Articuno does get boosts off of Intimidate, but it's got that uh, that psychic typing that it will never get to use the terrain. Like I mentioned Zapdos earlier, never getting to use its own electric terrain. Uh, Articuno will never get to use its own psychic terrain, and that just kind of saddens me. Moltres, I'm definitely holding out for information on. I think for me, it's kind of hard to say what will be, like, really good, just because, like, you know, like, let's say Zapdos is insane, like, then it kind of shakes up, like, how you're viewing Landorus or something, because, like, if the Defiant Bird is, like, really broken, and that's, like, the best Pokemon, then you're like, oh, no, what, it, like, is Intimidate Landorus that good? Um, I do think there's a lot more, like, even in uh, Sword and Shield, just, like, you know, the introduction of Corviknight and Mirror Armor, the abilities that just block Intimidate now, there's a lot more tools um, to deny intimidate or to you know play around it so i do think landers takes a little bit of a hit um curious to see how well he does um i do think for me the big the big thing to look at is all four of the tapus they oh not really finny but the other three got three amazing move moves in rising voltage expanding force and grassy glide finny got a misty explosion but that doesn't matter um <laughs> but like wait wait wait, I, wait, it, wait 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 does finny get flip turn now uh we don't know yet i don't think Oh, okay. I mean, like that could be that could be useful for like parish stuff. That could just be really fun. Like it's just honestly, like it, it would just be fun just to be able to pivot in and out with the mon that's mostly there to just turn off the other terrains. That's fair, yeah. But I think those, those especially those three, like um, mainly Coco Lele, I guess. But like even Bulu, like Bulu and Rillaboom, like as kind of a pair. Like the terrain wars are going to be quite insane this time because now we have Rillaboom, we have Indeedee. I don't think we'll see Pertrinchen or Weezing much, but we do have two more players in the terrain game. So I think it's going to be, you know, kind of kind of nuts, especially with Bulu getting access to way more moves. Um, 
like play rough and uh stomach tantrum i think in close combat like it gets better i don't know if it's stomach tantrum but i know it gets i think rumored to get play rough so that could be a big deal like it wouldn't it would actually have a fairy stab and the Rillaboom just being like you know one of the best pokemon we've gotten in the past year so like i think the terrain wars are going to be really interesting because um, the trains were also nerfed, but then they gave them really good moves. So. Not to mention Dynamax. You know, Dynamax, and, of course, yeah. setting the terrains. Uh, I, I do think that's something that's kind of fun. Like, back then, it felt like you needed a uh, a Tapu to just kind of control the the terrain wars. but uh, Or just at least have a hand in it. But now we've got the uh, the ability to just set terrain with a coverage move. Or maybe even a stab move if you just have a grass Pokemon that's not Tapu Bulu or Rillaboom. Uh, right. So... That's uh that's at least something uh kind of cool that we'll have this year. Is they're not going to feel as needed, but of course still very powerful. I I'm definitely looking forward to adding uh all of these Pokemon except Lele onto my team. Lele, <laughs> I, I'm going to try to avoid and then regrettably use. <laughs> but I think those are like the big impressions for me is like those four uh the top who's coming back, and then I guess also with the ability capsule, we now have confirmed hidden abilities for the all the legends. So like. Defiant, Tornadus, and Thunderous become real threats. Um, I I still think Entei, he's going to be good. Like, he gets inner focus now. He can't be intimidated. But even just all the other legends, like Heatran gets Flame Body, which, you know, you probably wouldn't use. But you can use it. Like, it has more... It's got more uh, spice going on. You could use a Telepathy Tapu. Like, there's just a lot more abilities that we give the legends instead of them being so pigeonholed into... Uh, you know, Thunderous using Prankster or Tornadus getting Prankster. We haven't had to Defiant Tornadus since 2013. Like, we just haven't been able to use it. So, like... Um, I'm both you know, excited and terrified. It's been seven years <laughs> since he's had his ability. We finally get it back. Um, but it will be interesting to see, like, the the ability patches, like, um, effect on the game. And also just how how bad are these Tapus going to be in regards to the terrains and also with Dynamax. Like, there's a lot of unanswered questions for me, but... It's exciting. Yeah, we still just don't have the Crown Tundra in general, so we are missing a lot of uh, vital information. Um, for me, like, this is an ob- kind of an obvious one, but, um, you know, the Tornadus and Thunderous having def- uh, having access to Define is pretty big for them, um, so they're going to be really uh, versatile players in this metagame. I think, uh, you know, Tornadus' partner in crime was the Choice Scarf Mamoswine that Arash had in uh, Worlds 2013, and a lot of people have kind of been pointing out Mammoth Swine as a check for a lot of these uh, flying types that are going to be around in this uh, game. But like with uh, Dynamax present and uh, Mammoth Swine, you know, you can be scarfed and that's fine. But when you're when the opponents are doubling their HP and if you're going to Dynamax, you don't get that speed anymore. So I don't think Mammoth Swine is going to be quite as good as people are selling it out to be. Nah, um, dude, dude, it's immune to intimidate. <laughs> <laughs> that's sick. That's not an... That's not enough. I don't think that's enough just for Mammoth Swine. It's got way too many weaknesses. Um, so that's uh, my take on Mammoth Swine there. Also, uh, I pointed out like last time that I don't think Heatran's going to be any good. Uh, I want to flip my uh, perspective on that on this show. Um, I thought about it some more and just like, you know, if you can get around all the max moves and just its uh, other checks, like it still walls a good amount of Pokemon. It does resist max flying. It's got that going for it. <laughs> It has max steel spike too, so that's kind of nice. Like it can actually hit you hard with steel moves instead of just the flash cannons it used to throw out. Like steel spike's like a real, like maxing heat train is a little bit real. Like it actually benefits from like if you ran like a traditional, like I guess not traditional, but like heat wave earth power flash cannon. Like those are some good max moves you got cooking for him. 
I know that Love Heatran will never want to take a uh, ground-type attack, uh, like, especially a max ground-type attack, but if you had, <laughs> say, like, a redirection Pokemon, um, like an Indeedee or something, uh, Heatran is still going to just be kind of annoyed by the existence of uh, ground moves in the metagame, because max moves, uh, max ground, of course, boosts, boosts your special defense, and so uh, that's just going to give Heatran a, a really bad time. Um, but I, it's got, like, you know, the option of having a partner like Togekiss, uh, something to keep them from uh, clicking those ground moves. So uh, I think Heatran's going to be fun. I think Heatran's, like, it, it's just got that signature typing. So uh, it's going to have a role in the metagame. I think it's interesting, too, like, with, we've never, like, a lot of these legends haven't seen the new speed mechanic change. So, like, some of them are, like, really important. Like, Ooh, Tornadus. that's a good point. Tornadus, for example, like, Prankster Tailwind has been, like, one of the premier strategies of 2020 just because it's instant. So, like, Whimsicott has been, like, a top-tier Pokemon, but now Tornadus gets Prankster. Um, it still has it. Like, Defined Tornadus will be threatening and cool, but Prankster Tailwind is still a real thing. And same with Prankster Thunderwave from Thunderous. There's a lot of terrains to slow it down, but, like, some of these Pokemon, like, having to deal with Landris at, you know, plus two speed after, like, Landris Whimsicott or something, or, you know, Coco Whimsicott, like, they press Tailwind and they press... Or like Lele Whims, you press Tailwind and you press Expanding Force. Like it's a it's an interesting like dynamic that uh you know is like underexplored because we haven't haven't got the Pokemon yet. But like some of these Pokemon really change like how they can function due to like like for example Coco gets Electroweb. Like that's actually a really big deal now. Whereas before it was just like whatever. But now he can lower your speed instantly. So like Coco's already base like it hits two hundred like stat wise so it's like one of the fastest pokemon it hits uh it hits you with electroweb and then now like something even like bulu will outspeed you you know like if it has enough speed investment so like stuff like that might become a little bit more normalized on some of the legends like a supporting like coco wouldn't even be supported it would just be spamming electroweb and it can still hit you with rising voltage but it has that option to like slow you down which is like you know a huge part of its kit that wasn't really used before but now it could really be an important move on coco i think i think electroweb coco will be like very relevant. I really like that take, actually. <laughs> like, um, Dragapult's still gonna destroy it a lot, but uh, <laughs> I really like the Electro take on Co- Coco. Yeah, Dragapult. I think Dragapult's gonna remain is still a what a monster in the game. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. It's not gonna remain the same. It's gonna get stronger somehow. That's what's happening, <laughs> oh, Dragapult, yeah. dude. I mean, that's what I've people I've talked to have said. It's worse than it was before. <laughs> Last thing then, uh, that last thing before we get out of here, I do got to ask about Cresselia. Colin, do you think Cresselia <laughs> is going to be any good in this metagame? Um, I think it's got a chance just because it's like one of the most bulky Pokemon alive. It gets Trick Room, like anything that gets Trick Room always has a chance. And I think Cresselia does have a chance, um, especially as a partner for Heatran too. Like Heatran Cresselia has been in, you know, duo as old as time. Um, and I think like, you know, skill swap and stuff could still be useful. I don't know if it gets skill swap. We'll have to see. I think it used to be a TM. But either way, Cresselia Heatran has been a very dominant combo just because of Icy Wind spam. And, like, I think icy slow Icy Wind is still viable and okay. Not as good as, like, you know, Icy... Like, Gang- sadly, Gengar's Icy Wind is probably better than Cresselia's at this point in time. Mm-hmm. But it's still, like, a useful thing. Um, and I think Cresselia having access to Trick Room is really nice. And, like, you know, Psychic... Psychic, like, Psychic Stab isn't bad, but it just has, like, a plethora of support options. So, like, I think, I think it will still be viable, but it's, you know, like a solid B, like, maybe A, I, hopefully, but I, I don't, I think it's like a B tier mod. Like, I can see it winning an event, but it probably wouldn't, like, it's not going to be, like, a super popular mod. Like, I think, uh, you know, the Tapus are going to be, like, 
Cause like it was, it was pretty viable in 2018. Like it was pretty good. Like, uh, it got second at Worlds, I think. No, no, I think it's second. That was Latios. Uh, it got top four. Like it was good. Um, it was doing well in 2018 well enough. Um, so I think it'll still be viable, but I don't think it's going to be like as exciting or as good as like, you know, the Tabus or even Tornadas and Thunders are estimated to be. I think Cresselia is going to stay in C for Cresselia, and uh, that's largely because of the D for Dragapult, uh, giving it a very hard time. Uh, we saw that in, like, uh, 2019, uh, Cresselia was going to be good, but it took a lot of L's to uh, Lunala, and I think just having another dominant ghost type is going to give Cresselia a bad time. So That's I- fair, Especially with Max and stuff, like, because Cresselia's always best trait was that it could live anything. You could never one-shot it. But, like, I... I it can really live, been... by the way. I ran the calc. Okay, okay. It, it, li- it lives Lifeform Dragapult's Phantasm, even Adamant, <laughs> as long as you awesome. run Max Max Bold. Oh, no. You have to you have to go that hard? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not great. It's not great. But Cresselia can live the Phantasm if you need it to. <sighs> yeah, Dragapult's just gonna be probably really oppressive for it. But, like... I could see maybe some niche where, like, you know, having access to the Sunny Day, Helping Hand, all those support moves, like, it can set up Trick Room Supers really well. So, like, you know, like, Dusclops, you know, he was he was taking L's to Dragapult for a long time, but Dusclops has still been one of the best Pokemon of 2020, in my opinion. One of my favorites. And, like, Great so, mark. like, I don't know if Cresselia can hang like Dusclops can, because at least he can heal with Pain Split and stuff, but I it's think... It's got uh, Moonlight. It's got Moonlight. It, it can recover, but I think... It really depends on what you're pairing it with. Because maybe, you know, like, maybe it sets up Trick Room with, you know, the, the Ghost Resist Berry, the Cassie Berry. And then maybe you Helping Hand and set up a KO for one of your sweepers so you can actually kill Dragapult. Maybe that's how it has to be used. But I, I do think, like, Trick Room is always a viable strategy. And Cresselia historically has been one of the best Trick Room setters. So I think it probably has a really solid viability. It's just, like, you might have to, like, tailor to it a little bit more as opposed to, like, you know, 2013, 2012, even 2015, where you could just slap it on any team and it was, like, the best Pokemon in the game. So, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, it does. it is good versus Landris, and, I mean, some people think Landris is S-tier, some people, like, Rogov thinks Landris is garbage, unusable. You know, it is it is what it is, but Cresselia has always been good versus Landris, so. But, you know, maybe Max Flutterby puts it over the top and Cresselia can't. Oh, that's Landers true, anymore. dude. Max Flutterby, <laughs> Lando. And then you proc its weakness policy. Who knows? Um, oh, man. But I, I do think Cresselio, like, you know, have some sort of use. Like, I, I don't think it'll be bad, but it won't be, like, good. So it'll just be in the middle. Well, you know what? I think we can all agree that. Can we please just get the uh, Crown Tundra? <laughs> can we please get there? Uh, we're so close. It's only a week away at this point, but... um. I'm excited for it. Like, uh, we'll get to see a whole bunch of uh, metagame changes with these uh, legendary Pokemon, as well as just, like, the other regulars coming, too. So, we've been speculating for several weeks now about this uh, new Series 7 coming. We'll get uh, the big information and the drop of the uh, DLC next week, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think at this point, we're going to wrap it up here, and uh, just remind everybody to remember to practice for your uh, tournaments here. <laughs> you know, if you got the time for it, use Showdown, use Battle Stadium, use uh, whatever practice method you want to use. Um, but they both have their merits. Uh, remember to practice. It's uh, it's important. So, um, lastly here, I just want to say thank you to uh, Colin for joining us for this episode. We appreciate your time and being on here. Thank you for having me. I've always wanted to be on, so I finally got my chance. But thank you, guys. 
Oh, Call we've had you on uh, like several years ago, way back in our first. Oh, uh, in, the, in the beginning. Run. In the yeah, beginning. in the beginning. I guess we. Yeah, I guess yeah. it doesn't count because like everyone forgets about that anyway. So. I mean, I'm not, I, I forgot. I I honestly <laughs> forgot that I was on here, but <laughs> I always okay. I always remember. Like I always, uh, you know, I always want to guest on podcasts and stuff. You know, it, you know, it's it's nice to to you know share your opinion or to discuss Pokemon in some way. So I I think I do kind of remember being on here, but I'm, I'm glad to be back. <laughs> excellent yeah it's uh it's just been too long like four years is a very long time i'm <laughs> sure uh anyone will forget something like that so uh appreciate it con love ha- love having you <laughs> um let's uh wrap up the show here everyone remember you can uh email your comments questions and feedback to our show vgc at gmail.com remember to tell your friends about us that they can find us here at the harper voice uh a show about competitive pokemon if they're interested in it um, you can find our show on a variety of different podcasting platforms, some of the major ones being Apple Podcasts or iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Remember to leave us reviews so that you can help us with visibility so that others can discover the show. And you can also find our show on Facebook and on Twitter at The Hyper Voice. Again, remember that Shiny Zapdos giveaway uh, is going to be happening in uh, two weeks. So if you want a chance at that, remember to uh, find us on those places. You can also find the three of us personally on Twitter as well. You can follow me at Super Morioka. Alex, where can people follow you? You can follow me at LexiconVGC. And Colin, where can people follow you? Uh, at just Battle Room. Awesome. Thank you, the listener, so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And stay tuned for more of the Hyper Voice. Uh, Lola. <laughs>